This is our fourth and final lab on the uniqueness of God. And I hope that you enjoy, as much as I do, contemplating that God exalts himself by carrying us rather than us needing to carry him, by serving us rather than having us serve him. So let's see it again one more time, this time in the New Testament. Father, open these glorious gospel passages about what it means for you to serve us and the utterly transformed way then that we go about serving you. Make this plain, since I think it's right at the heart of your character and your gospel. In Jesus' name, amen. So here we are in um, on Mars Hill, the Areopagus. Paul is preaching to the philosophers of Athens, and he has just walked through the city and seen the... Um, temples, and he's seen the statues, and he's seen how religious they are. He says that to them. He even saw a statue to a, an unknown God, and he wants to make sure that they understand the nature of the true God and how unique he is among all the gods that they are trying to honor. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, so he made the world and everything in it, Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples. So he doesn't need any of your temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands. Now let that sink in. God is not served by us. How, how so? As though he needed anything. Since, so, so never, never, never serve God with your hands or any other part of your being in the sense that you are supplying some need that God has. That's a dishonor to God. God exalts himself by being above having needs. He is a need meter, not a need haver. Since, why? He himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. God is fundamentally giver, not fundamentally needer. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. He gives, he gives, he gives. He never needs at all. He does not wait to be served. He serves those, as we've seen, who wait for him. He's not glorious by having millions of servants or slaves who run around supplying his needs. He's glorious by serving millions of people. He's infinitely resourceful, never having any defect or deficiency or need. That's his glory, and he spills over to serve those who wait for him. And then we go right to the heart of the gospel with Jesus Christ being the embodiment of the uniqueness of God. Whoever would be great among you, Jesus says, must be your servant. 
why would that be? I mean, we've seen the model for that. What's he, what's he going to say? Whoever would be first must be slave of all. Why? Because the Son of Man came from heaven, from the, from the unique God as his unique embodiment. He came not to be served. There it is, in the most shocking form. The Son of God came into the world not, can it be said any more amazingly, not to be served, not to be served, but to serve. He came to serve us. He didn't come to be served by us. He came to serve us specifically to give his life as a ransom for many. We could not pay the ransom that had to be paid because of the debt of our sin. God sent his son as the final, perfect, beautiful, all-sufficient embodiment of his self-sufficiency, saying, what you cannot do for yourself, I will now do for you. So beware, beware that you never serve Jesus as though he needed anything. My God will supply every need of yours. Every need. Need. Not every whim. Every need of yours according to his riches in glory. This is what it's about. God created the world to show that he's rich in glory. God runs history to show that he's rich in glory. God relates to his saints to show that he's rich in glory. And that comes down to the very practical statement, I am the supplier here, not you. What do you have that you did not receive? 1 Corinthians 7 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. What do you have that you did not receive? And if you received it, why do you boast as though it were not a gift? Everything is gift. Because I want to show how rich I am in glory, in Jesus Christ. And therefore, are we surprised when he ends the section with a doxology? To God, to our God and Father, our giving, all-supplying, need-meeting Father, be glory forever and ever. Amen. Yes, that's the uniqueness of God. He will show, he will be exalted to show mercy. Call on me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you will glorify me because I am rich in glory and I meet needs. So then, how do we serve God? Is it even right to speak of serving God? Yes, it is because it's biblical. But all these labs on the uniqueness of God are designed to utterly transform the way we think about serving God. And here it is in 1 Peter 4. And I suppose there was no text during my pastoral ministry that I recited most often to my heart as I walked toward the pulpit on Sunday morning. Whoever whoever serves, so that's anything you do in the name of Christ, for the glory of Christ, whoever serves... And for me, it was, it was preaching, mainly. Whoever serves, 
let him do so as one who serves, yes, we do serve, by the strength that God supplies. So every time you are putting forth effort in service to God, that effort is supplied by God. If you have to show any strength of will, any strength of character, any strength of self-denial, any strength of passionate, hard work, always realize it is supplied by God. And that should be conscious. When I walked into the pulpit, I said, I am about to preach, Lord. I'm going to put forth much effort with my mind and with my body and with my heart. And I now trust that you will be the supplier of that mind and that heart and that strength. Why? In order that in everything God may be glorified. This is why he intends to serve us in all our serving. He serves us. We serve him as he supplies, that is, serves us through giving us the power to serve him, and therefore he always gets the glory. Isn't that what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, what, verses 6 and 7? I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. God gets the glory through Jesus Christ. Therefore, another doxology, to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Of course, he's going to get the glory. So the sum of these four labs on the uniqueness of God is that God works for those who wait for him. And that waiting is a waiting inactivity. It's not sleeping. It's not sitting on a couch like a couch potato while the world goes to hell in a handbasket. It is serving him actively. And in the serving, we are waiting moment by moment as we put forth effort for him to supply the effort and supply the strength so that in everything that we do and in all our waiting, he is glorified through Jesus Christ. What a great, unique God and what a great calling.